0: Welcome, Welcome here. here, watch the men. Yeah. Thanks for coming. <laughs> you should go through when you're selected cabinets and what
1: food you would What's hot? My name's Annalise Stiles, and I work in the high school department as the ministry assistant. I get to work with Luke as we coordinate youth events for the high schoolers. I get to disciple teens, um, help with Bible studies and events and retreats and things like that. I get to work one-on-one with kids, but also with the leaders and build into the lives and see the growth in students and leaders together. I love seeing students grasp their faith for themselves and grow deeper in that. I also love being able to do the coordinating and put events together and make them come and happen and help Luke do that. I love being able to do the multiple pieces that I get to be a part of there. Some highlights for my Christian life and faith was when I went to um, Jackson Hole Bible College in Wyoming and I spent a year there just studying foundations of scripture. I read through the whole Bible in that year. We did theology and a little tiny bit of Hebrew and Greek and I just had this big picture view of what my faith was about and who God was and what the Bible was about and that was definitely a big turning point for me, a good foundation to go off of from there into the rest of life. So that was yeah, right after high school I did that. The biggest time I questioned whether God had a plan for me was when I faced a a serious breakup um, of a serious relationship in my life because I was so certain that the Lord was in that relationship and he was guiding me and this guy to marriage. And that was so confirmed with everyone around me and myself, and so when that, didn't happen. Everything felt like it spiraled cuz my life kind of felt like it was revolving and going in a certain direction and everything I was doing was heading that way. But then when that was cut off, I had no idea what God was doing and why that was happening and where I was supposed to go from there. And felt like yeah, it was just like this lost, drifting mass of confusion around me and where do I go from there, and where is God in this, and how can God be in charge if this is happening and this confusion is happening? My perspective of God was that he he was God exists almost to make my dreams come true, and like as long as my dreams are aligned with good holy things, that God will like yes, stamp here, I'll make it happen. And I learned through the process and and the healing of that and finding coming out of out of that confusion, realizing that. God isn't in the business of making my dreams come true, He's in the business of growing His Kingdom. So even when my emotions were crazy, everything made no sense in my mind, uh, my family, friends, no one could tell me why this was going on um, and make any sense of it. It was just all confusion. What wasn't confusion was the truth, it was the Gospel, it was Christ. and. And so like, I can read journals back on that day and they're just a mess, but they always ended with, but God is good, Jesus is better, there's hope for the future. And so like, just seeing, even looking back and seeing, where did this faith come from? It was the God the whole time, the spirit in me was like, no, it's true. You know, this is true. Even when you can't even understand it, you know it's true. This life, it's short and temporary and it's painful. But it shows us the greatness, the eternity of who God is, and, and the joy that that is. And that we have a Savior who will never disappoint us. We have a, a Savior who won't reject us. Actually, Jesus chose you to be his. And he's never going to betray you. His truth will always stand. And our hope for the future is always there, rather than a hope for something that's temporal here on earth.
0: Why me? And why this? If you haven't yet asked this question, if you've never asked a question like this before in your life, sooner or later you'll probably have to ask yourself that question Lord, why? Why is all this happening to me? I pray, I seek your face, I desire to do your will, but all these things that are negative keep happening to me. Why? So, one of my children um, going to school uh, is struggling currently with just connecting with some friends and things like that, getting along with them, and just feeling that they fit in in class, they're just at that age. And so, I encouraged my child to pray and seek the Lord's face, and ask God to to, to address this thing. And so they would pray and and, and seek the Lord's face, but then a few days later, a week later, would be crying in their room saying, Dad, why is God not answering my prayer? Because I thought things were going to get better when I bring this issue to God, but yet the issue gets worse and worse. Why? Why? why all this and why me today we are starting a series in a book called habakkuk or some of you would call say habakkuk if you're Kenyan like me habakkuk we are starting this series on this book of habakkuk it's a small little book three chapters we're going to spend about 5 weeks in this in this little book and what is remarkable here is the book of habakkuk Um, invites us into a a dialogue that he, the prophet Habakkuk, is having with God. And so we are kind of like invited into this conversation that this guy is having with God, and the question that the prophet is bringing to God is that same why question. Why, Lord? What's going on here? Why is there all this chaos, and it seems like you're not doing anything? Here Now, let me set the scene for you just so that you know what, what time frame we are talking about here. So Habakkuk, 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 oh yeah, it's going to be confusing tonight. Anyway, so Habakkuk was, um, was uh, just came into the scene right at the death, around the death of King Josiah. Now, King Josiah was a king in Israel, in Judah in particular, and so he had died, The king had passed away, and this was a good king. He had brought a lot of reform and things like that. People had come back to God. They were not worshiping their idols. So upon his death, other kings come and take over. But then as soon as Josiah dies, all these other kings come. They are now wicked kings. They are evil kings. And so they take the nation back into their idolatry. And so there is is just godlessness. Godlessness. And wickedness happening all across this nation. So Habakkuk is looking at all this wickedness and he's wondering, Lord, what is going on here? There is violence, there is perversion, there is all sorts of crazy things happening here. So Habakkuk is praying and and in his prayer, in his mind, he's thinking, maybe God will send another good king. Like Josiah. A king who will bring all this reform and then will be good and then the nation will be worshiping God, and things will go well. If, if. God were to answer that prayer, bring a good king, we're good. But then the Lord will respond, and the answer is not what Habakkuk thought, or the answer that... Habakkuk was expecting. It has a very different, very different answer here. It's almost like a blindside answer. So this will be very interesting as we engage this little book. So today, for our time, we'll be looking at verse 1 to 11 of Habakkuk chapter 1. And we'll look at it as three three headings here. There are two questions and God responds. So it would be like Habakkuk would be saying, Hey, Lord, what's with the unanswered prayers? What's up with these unanswered prayers? And Lord, what's with all this uncontrolled evil? To which the Lord will look at him and say, dude, dude, here's an unexpected answer for you. So let's unpack this. Lord, what's with all this unanswered prayer? Habakkuk chapter 1. We'll go to verse 2 because verse 1 just introduces himself. He introduces himself as prophet. So he says in verse 2 How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? How long? How long, Lord? Might, must I call for help? How long must I call for help? But you do not listen. Or cry out to you, violence! But you do not say. How long? See, I grew up in a home where my father was an alcoholic. And my dad would call my mom all sorts of names. And I think I've shared my story here before. And he would begin selling household items so that he could feed his alcoholism. And we prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And when he was a little younger, my dad was very violent. And so he would come and he would beat mom and, the, and, and all of us. Myself and my two other brothers. were three boys at home. My dad was very violent. I had some two cousins who lived with us, and he was also violent physically with them as well when he was either drunk or when he didn't have money to go and service his alcoholism. Very violent, and called my mom every vile name you can think of for years. And guess what? To this day, we are still praying for my dad. 40 plus years, for as long as I can remember, my dad has struggled with this issue. And so we pray, Lord, how long must we call for help? How long must we cry out to you? How long? And yet, you do not answer. How long? See, in Habakkuk's day... Here he will say, Lord, I cry out to you, violence, violence, but you do not save. What is he talking about there? See, there was so much corruption and so much violence that was happening there. People would be murdered. So for example, I'll give you a, a contemporary example of what was happening there. So I have a friend in Africa who uh, he and his wife went to visit some other friends, you know, the way you'd visit someone in the evening, you have been invited for dinner, you'd have dinner, you'd play some cards, you hang out, you chat a little bit, catch up on life, hold each other accountable, and so on. And so after, after they had had a good fellowship, my buddy and his wife jump into their car, and they want to drive home. So on their drive home, they are stopped at gunpoint by some three thugs, and so, the gun is right there, and my buddy stops, and it's at night, and of course, we are black, so sometimes it's hard to see because it's at night, try playing hide-and-seek with me, I would win. <laughs> so, it's at night, and there, and there are these thugs with their gun pointed at my friend's um, vehicle here, it was his wife driving, and so one of the thugs comes, opens the driver's door, puts the gun by her, uh, by her ribs there and fires and drags her out. And my buddy is dragged out and then he comes to his wife because his wife now is bleeding. And he holds her and pleads with these guys, please, just drop me by the hospital. You can take the car. Drop me by the hospital. So they get to the hospital. They don't even get, come close or to the emergency. No, it's like a distance. They stop way out there. And so now my buddy has to carry his wife who knows she's dying and she's saying make sure you take care of the kids she died in his arms lord i cry out to you violence do not save you do not save we wept with my friend, but the sad thing is sometimes the cops in Africa, they don't do their job well. These perpetrators were never found. This messed up my friend big time, big time. In Habakkuk's day, there's a lot of idolatry happening there a lot of child sacrificing to a God called Molech where they would burn a child so that that this God would bless them. This is what Habakkuk is seeing. And so he's saying, Lord, how long, how long, how long, how long is all this going to go? Lord, how long? And many of us here Maybe your situation is not as dire as Habakkuk's was. Maybe for you it is barrenness been crying out to God, Lord, a child, a child, Lord, a child would be great. Or some of us here may be marital issues or like the video we just saw, singleness, where you thought you're going to get married and things go sideways. And you're like, Lord, how long will this go? Health challenges. Or it might be a loved one who's wandered away from God and you're praying, Lord, would you bring them back, bring them back, and they are not coming back. Lord, how long? How long? But, but, I want you to notice something here. Look again at that verse, verse 2. Habakkuk is praying and saying, Lord, how long must I call for help, but you do not listen? That's an assumption. How long must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save. Another assumption there. There's an assumption that God is not listening or that God is not capable of saving or has refused to save. That, my dear friends, is an assumption. And many of us, many, not many of us, sorry, let me take that back. There are many who have walked away from the faith. There are many who have walked away in the faith because of the assumption that God does not save, that God is not listening, because you're praying and things get worse. And there are many who have walked away from faith, and some of you probably know some of those who've walked away. Now hold that thought. We'll come back to it later, okay? We'll answer that question. Hold the thought. Let's not assume that God is not listening. Let's not assume that God is not capable of saving. So hold that thought. We'll come back to it later. Habakkuk is not done yet. He's not done yet. He continues. Lord, what's with all this uncontrolled evil? What's with all this evil that's happening? Look look at verse 3. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife. And conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. So I'll give you three very quick illustrations here. Yesterday, what happened in Virginia Beach... Some of you who follow the news would know what happened yesterday uh, in the United States. There was another shooting, yet another one. Eleven people died yesterday. The shooter, I think, was the 12th. And today they just released, I think it was today, they just released the names of the deceased. And I read the names of the deceased, and beside their names, they would say where they were from and how long they had worked in that office building where the shooter went from floor to floor killing people, a disgruntled worker. Some people had worked 41 years. So I'm imagining this individual is now planning his retirement, right? 41 years. So you're just about to retire here. You've been working for the city. Maybe your retirement party is towards the end of July or June. And then you're done for the summer. Some had worked 28 years. Others had six months. Just a few days. Now, I can imagine their families and what's going on there. What would you say to a grieving family member of such a person today? You see, the perpetrator was also killed. So now there is no justice. There is no court case. There is no, there is no victim impact statement that you can read to the person who brought all this violence to your loved one. So now what do you do there? What about the shooter's family now who have to live with the aftermath? They will probably receive some death threats now. A lot of hatred will be now poured on them. Yet they had nothing to do with what the perpetrator did. So what do you say to them there? Lord, why, Habakkuk would say, do you tolerate wrongdoing? Why do you make me look at injustice? Another example. So I was reading the BBC app. Um, I follow world news using the BBC app on my phone. And so I was reading this story, a very fascinating story, called Secret Spectacles. You might want to Google that and read this story. It's a story about a Ghanaian young man who grew up in a very poor family but was very into spy movies and things like that. And then he had heard stories about um, how African migrants who want to go to Europe, the, the treacherous journey from Africa to Europe... And how many of them die? People disappear. And so he wanted to film this because he wanted to, to get the true story. So he buys these uh, glasses, these spectacles that have a little camera and a little USB thing that you can put in there. A little me- memory card that you can put in there. And be very discreet because now he'll be taking pictures of the human traffickers. Who are moving people from Africa to Europe across the desert, through the sea, to Europe. So he begins this journey, and he just talks about the atrocities that are happening there, the amount of rapes and violence and deaths, and how many of these people who are leaving their loved ones, hoping to get to Europe to a better life, how many of them are sold as slaves in the Middle East, And many times, the beatings, the hunger, the torture, and this is happening today. And even right now, as I speak, there are thousands of people who right now probably are standing at a slave market at some desert corner in some portion of northern Africa, being sold as slaves, yet they left home with this idea that maybe I could make it there and my family will have a good life, but they are stuck now. What do you do there? So this young man chronicles all this. Lord, why is the law paralyzed? Justice never prevails. Why would you let me look at all these things? Why, why, why? Final illustration. There's this lady called Azia Bibi. I talked about her uh, a few months ago, and some of you know this story. This Pakistani lady who's a Christian, and she was busy working in a field in Pakistan with some Muslim women, and then wanted to share a, a bowl of water, or a cup of water with another lady, and then she was now accused of blaspheming against the prophet Muhammad. And she says, no, I didn't do that by by virtue of the fact that she was a Christian. So she was thrown in prison for 10 years on a death sentence. So recently, she was released from prison. Recently, many Christians have been praying for her. And so she was released, and now she made her way to Canada to some secret location. So we don't know where she is, but she's in Canada. So a lot of Christians were all excited until two weeks ago. What happened two weeks ago? There was some dude who who came from somewhere and came into Canada and just took a video of his torso. And in the video, he says that he is here to complete the work that should have been done in Pakistan to this woman. He's looking for her for the purpose of killing her. He's allegedly here the past two weeks. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. Why is the Lord letting all these things happen? Is the question that Habakkuk is asking God. This is the issue. This is the question. Lord, where are you here? Where are you? This is the question. And the Lord being God, he chooses not to be silent here. He responds, he responds you know, dude, dude. Here is this unexpected answer, okay? Habakkuk, I got an answer for you, buddy. Verse 5, verse 5, the Lord is speaking now, look at the nations and watch. Now, I'll be reading this and pausing just to explain a few things here. So, the Lord is saying, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. Why? For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. In other words, Habakkuk, I'm about to blow your mind. And it will be on your day. You will see it. I'm about to blow your mind, dude. Watch this. How so? For I am going to do something in your day that you will not believe. Even if you are told, verse 6, I am raising up the Babylonians. Let me pause there. I am raising up the who? So at this point, Habakkuk is like, what? It's like God saying, I am raising up Isis. Exactly. I am raising up Isis. Yes. Who were the Babylonians? They were known back then. The Babylonians were known. They were a cruel. They were nastier than Isis. They were proud, they were arrogant, they were vicious. And they would, they would come to a city, and they would take the city. They were so powerful, they would come and take a city. And if they found that that city was not submissive to them, and the people were trying to resist a little bit, if they sniffed a little bit of rebellion in the city, they would decapitate people and bring the heads and put them right in the middle of the city to remind people, anyone who tries to resist... This will happen to them. These are the Babylonians. And they would come to the leaders of the city. The mayors, the the, the king, whoever the leader is. They would poke their eyes out, put a hook through their jaw, and drag them out of the city. These were the Babylonians. So now, imagine if you're Habakkuk, and you're talking to God. And God says... (laughs) I'm going to do something in a day that you will not believe even if you are told. Right. I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless, impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings, not their own. They are feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own, their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Just think about those images. Their cavalry gallops headlong, their horsemen come from afar, they fly like an eagle swooping to devour. They all come intent, they all come intent on violence. Question. What was he praying about? No, they cry violence and you do not save. And now God's answer, yeah, more violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all fortified cities. By building earthen ramps, they capture them. Then they sweep past like the wind and go on. Guilty people whose own strength is their God. This is the people? This is the tool. This is the vehicle that. God, this is the answer that God is bringing to Habakkuk. Lord, how long? How long? How long? Guess what? I'm bringing ISIS to you, dude. Really? What? Lord, are you serious here? This is mind blowing, isn't it? Mind-blowing to Habakkuk himself, it's destroying all our previous categories. Categories that we've been creating to define who God is. Would God do such a thing? Mm -hmm. He would. He says he would. Is this how God works? Is this how God works? You'd be asking. So let me give you an example, a biblical example here. John the Baptist. So many of you know John the Baptist. He's the one who's crying out in the wilderness saying, you know, repent, repent, the Messiah's coming. Repent, repent, the Messiah's coming, right? And so John sees Jesus and he points and he tells all the disciples who are with him, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There he is. Whose sandals I am not fit to tie. To, to tie. Yeah, that, that one. There he is. So John is going about preaching, and he's preaching the gospel. If you want to know exactly what he's saying, go to Luke chapter 3. My goodness, he is so blunt with his proclamation of the gospel. But one of the things he does is he goes and he pokes the eye of Herod, King Herod. Why? King Herod is a wicked king. And Herod had gone and seduced his brother's wife and took, him, uh, took her for, for himself. It's a wicked act. The brother is still alive. The brother had a beautiful wife. Herod decides, ah, she's mine. Because he could. And so John comes and says, dude, come on. This is a wicked thing before God. What are you thinking? Herod got upset. So was his new wife. And so what do they do? They throw John in prison. So now John is wallowing in prison, okay? Now jump to Luke chapter 7. In Luke 7, Jesus is busy doing all sorts of things. He's walking around and he's healing the sick. So we have this centurion servant. The centurion, this is a Roman soldier whose servant is sick. So the Roman soldier sends to a delegation to Jesus saying, Jesus, why don't you just come? Come and heal this man's um, servant. So Jesus is on the way. But then the, 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 the Roman soldier says, you know what? Let me send more servants ahead to tell Jesus, Jesus, I am a Roman, I am a filthy man, like you're not even worth to come into my house, so you just say the word wherever you are and I know my servant will be healed. Jesus is like, done. And the man is healed. And then Jesus is walking around and this funeral procession happening. There's this widow who is crying, and her son is being carried, and the son is going to be buried, and Jesus has mercy on this lady, comes, touches the beer that's carrying the the, the corpse, and commands the young man to, to come alive. So he's raised someone from the dead. What in the world? So now, John's disciples who are out go back to prison when they're visiting John and say, hey man, guess what Jesus is doing? Man, he can heal people at a distance. At Chilliwack, you're sick and in Chiloac, Jesus is in Abishford, he can heal you. Man, and there was someone who was dead and Jesus brought them back to life. This is amazing. And John is in prison because John was saying, hey, the Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. Repent. For so John is now there thinking, Jesus is out there doing stuff. I'm in prison, but I've been preaching about him. Surely he would remember me. Why am I still in the chains here? So John sends his two disciples and says, hey, go to Jesus and tell him, ask him, is he the one to come? Because if surely he's the Messiah, he'll come and take me out of here. He'll come and save me. He will somehow get me off these chains. Disciples of John come to Jesus, say, hey, Jesus, um, John sent us. We are not coming out of our own volition. John sent us, and we are here to ask you, you, are you the one who's to come Uh, or should we wait for another Messiah? Jesus affirms to these two disciples, hey, I am the one to come. Make no mistake. There is no other Messiah coming. It's me. It's all me, dude. All me, okay? There's no other Messiah, but what is remarkable here is what Jesus says in Luke chapter 7, verse 23. After Jesus has told the disciples of John, go tell John... A Messiah. Luke 7.23 Blessed is the one who does not turn away because of me. Other translations will say blessed is the one who does not fall away or who is not offended. Blessed is the one who is, does not stumble on the account of me. Blessed is the one who is not offended. See, in John's mind, Lord, if you're here, If you're here and you're walking around and you're doing stuff and I'm in prison, come on, get get these chains off of me so we can do ministry together so that we can proclaim the gospel, so that I can tell people who you truly are. In John's mind, this is how we should do things. And Jesus is like, blessed is the one who's not offended by me. John, it's not your agenda, it's my agenda. Jesus continues to do ministry. What happens to John? Right. John was decapitated. While Jesus was busy doing ministry, why? Why? And Jesus' response Blessed is the one who does not turn away. It is my agenda, not yours. It's my way, not yours. So what do we do here? How do we live godly lives amid storms that we don't understand? How do we live our lives amid storms that we don't understand? Now, I'll just jump into next week's sermon for just one second and jump out. So look at verse 12 of chapter 1. Verse 12 of chapter 1. There's a rhetorical question there. You know, aren't you, aren't you the everlasting one? Aren't you the everlasting God? In other words, what, what Habakkuk is asking God here in this dialogue, it's kind of like saying, you know, I thought you were God. Like, why would you do this? I thought you were God. Many of us would be asking that same question. And Jesus is saying... Blessed is the one who does not follow on account of me. How do we live? How do we live, our, how do we live godly lives when the storms come? Three things that i like us to remember. Three. The first, remember the promise of eternal life, remember the gospel. It does not end here. Your story does not end here even when things go sideways on this side of eternity, it doesn't mean that your story ends here. Your story is not over. Jesus will come back again and he will make all things new. He will bring true justice. He will set captives free. He will write Wrongs when he comes back again. Remember the gospel. Now I don't know what your story is. It might be barrenness where you wait. It might be my story, waiting. Lord, how long will my dad wallow in alcoholism? How long will my mom put up with this kind of shame and poverty? How long? It will. The story is not over yet. Remember the gospel. The story is not over yet. Jesus promises life on the other side. Life to its fullest. But Jesus does not promise an easy life on this side of eternity. He didn't. He didn't promise that it'll be easy for you on this side of eternity. He did promise that things will be well for you on the other side. <laughs> Secondly, remember that the Lord will never forsake his own, ever. It might feel like you're alone. It might feel like you're abandoned. You might not feel that God is close to you. But God never abandons his own. You see, Habakkuk, God said, hey, I'll raise up the Babylonians. Now, the, they hadn't come yet. They hadn't come yet. God is saying, they are coming. These ruthless, impetuous people, they are coming. And you know them. You know how crazy these people are. And the idolatry they will bring, and the violence they will bring, and the things they'll do to your women and children. Good Lord. The Babylonians did come. They destroyed the nation and they took a majority of them to exile. They marched them to exile. But as the nation of Israel was going to exile, this is what God said to them through the mouth of Jeremiah. And a verse that many of you like. But the context of this verse was this is a nation that was pagan and wicked, and God was judging them using this wicked, more wicked nation, Babylon, and now they are going to, the, to, 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 to exile, being punished by God, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. While they are going in chains to, to Babylon. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a future, and I hope then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen while you're in Babylon. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart, and, you will be, and I, will, um, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity, and I will gather you from all the nations and all the places where I banished you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from the place from which I carried you into exile. God never forgets his people. Never does. Never does. So even when the storm comes, even when the unexplainable comes, God is still there with you. Finally, remember to ask God to continually fill you with his spirit. Remember to ask God to fill you with his spirit. See, left in your own devices, to your own devices, you cannot, you cannot live a life that is worthy before God. You can't. Left to your own devices, you can't. You can't. You need God's divine help to endure the storms that he may bring into your life. Why does he bring those storms? We never know. But get this. When he was saying to Habakkuk, I will raise up the Babylonians. And Habakkuk is like, what in the world is going on? And these are crazy people. And the nation is now taken to Babylon. Do you know when you read our Bible history what you see? Well, the nation of Israel went to Babylon and they were scattered among the nations. Not all all of them came back to Israel was promised land. Some did, others remained in the nations that were scattered in Babylon. Fast forward, many years later, Jesus comes, dies, rises again, the early church begins, and Paul begins his journey in the book of Acts, and he goes to various cities, and he finds Jewish synagogues there. How did those synagogues get there? Because of the Babylonians taking the nation of Israel from their homeland, into captivity. And when Paul comes, he begins to preach and he also finds other Gentiles who are already very interested in Yahweh, the God of Israel. And Christianity begins to spread like wildfire. God saw the long game. Habakkuk saw the short game. So you and I may not see, you and I may not see what God's plan and purpose is in creating some crazy things that are happening in our lives, but God sees God sees and God knows. So remember the promise of eternal life. And the next time, the next time you take communion, remember that your story is not over yet. Remember the gospel. Next, God will never f- forsake you. He'll never forsake you. And third, ask him to fill you with the Spirit that you may endure the crazy times that he may throw to you. Let's pray. So Father, thank you. For this, for this opportunity you've given us to interact with your word. Lord, I pray, Father, you know the challenges and the struggles and the difficulties we all face. And Lord, you bring all sorts of storms our way. But Lord, I thank you that even when the storms are there, we can remember that our story is not done yet. Even when it collapses on this side of eternity, Lord, your story is not done yet. Lord, that you never forsake us And so, Father, we pray, fill us with your spirit that we may suffer well for the sake of the gospel. Thank you again, Father, for the brief moments you've given us to interact with your word. In Jesus' name, and God's people said, Amen.